want me to do an intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheers. Uh, uh, that's, a, that's how it's getting. They're getting better and better. They're getting better. And better. Uh, after my Marcel Marceau impersonation, I'm now going to introduce myself. I'm Colin Bettles, Chief Executive of Grain Producers Australia. Uh, I work for GPA, and GPA works for Australia's grain producers. Right. Oh, we probably should give our guests a little bit more. Heads up. A bit more heads up, a bit more assistance on the intro, but I mean, it, it's no, um, it's no Bob Catter intro, but you know, I guess it, it'll have to do. We'll have to do. So yeah, I haven't had half a century in Parliament, so I don't have his expertise and insights. So let's let's jump straight into it because there's a few things we want to talk about this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get a bit of a thing on what GPA is in a bit, but we'll do the six cents first. Yep. So we're going to psychologically test you. We're going to give you six words or phrases. You give us the first thing that comes back in your mind. Uh, you can do it like Bob Carr if you want. You can ignore them and give <laughs> and, and give the, and give the stonewall. You stonewall can stonewall on the black pudding one. That was you, you, you that. can you can stonewall us and give us the shortest answer, mm-hmm. or you can go for the record uh, longest answer. Both held by the same man. Guest. guest. So, right on, Matt. You go first. Federal budget. Mixed. Biosecurity levy, a levy or a tax? Tax. Um, Barefoot in Fitzroy. Sensational. Uh, Lifetime experience. Everyone's got to do it at some stage. Crocs, the footwear. Uh, Sensational. Until you find out out afterwards that they've been stigmatised by a couple of podcast hacks who uh, have uh, are determined to run this piece of clothing down. Well, as as our main sponsor, Crocs would would not agree with that. So, what, Matt? Black pudding. Wouldn't go near it if it was the last meal on the planet. Yeah. Grain representation. Fantastic opportunity to step up and uh, be part of democracy. There we go. That's the six. Have you noticed now I'm getting much more professional, Andrew? I'm taking note of. How many? I know it's your pen just going. <laughs> Can I just say before we get into the, the tough stuff, this is like a dream come true being on this podcast. I've admired your work for many decades, and uh, this is like sitting down with the Rolling Stones for me. So thanks for the opportunity and to speak yeah. about GPA and what we do for growers. That's great, Colin. Uh, spoken like somebody who has worked in media for a long time and has <laughs> and has seen media training from both sides of the the picture, and we will send that check to you uh, soon. Uh, for so, thanks for giving us that. Is that the fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollar check for the uh, think, Grains Leadership Scholarship? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Set up next I, year? I think if um if we're gonna if you're gonna uh, liken us to Rolling Stones, I want to know which one of us is Mick Jagger and which one's Keith Richards. I'm both of them, depending on what, <laughs> depend, depending on what day it is. <laughs> why, why does everyone hate Bill Wyman and Charlie Watts? Uh, that's what yeah, I want to know. That's true. That's the drummer, true well. you know. Yeah. Well, you know what they say about drummers. You know, what's the what is it? What's the name of the person that hangs around musicians? The drummer. They're like uh, ice hockey goalkeepers, really, aren't they? Drummers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Or I want to I want to start off with a serious point. Mm-hmm. Whilst a couple of months ago, I was I was on on holiday, I was travelling around South America, and I got a I got an email from the Weekly Times, my friends at Weekly Times, gave me a ticket to the Farmer of the Year event, <laughs> and and so I gave this to Matt. Who, who, we, who, I got I got my own ticket anyway. Did you? Did about? you? Did you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, all oh, right. Okay. Fair yeah. enough. I, I thought it was just me. Oh. I thought they just invited me. Weekly yeah. Times and Coles. Don't forget the four and Coles. Yeah, correct. Correct. So how, how was that? How was that event? It's a good event. Was it? Was it the botanical gardens in Melbourne? It was well attended. It, um, no, I thought it was a nice group of people there, Colin, wasn't it? So yeah, great to see some of Australia's best um, farmers um, mm-hmm. showcase yep. and a good networking event. Some of Australia's um, brightest names in agriculture, present company, and, uh, also, uh, also Matt and and me and me. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we're quite now. Uh, there might have been there might have been an extension beyond the uh, um, formal event to a few more drinks elsewhere, but I don't know if we need to go into any further detail than that, do we, Colin? No, what happens in Vegas stays on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I just say uh, Matt and I had, had been meaning to catch up and talk about 
sort of grains and agricultural policy, um, we sat down and had a couple of um, chai lattes in um, Fitzroy, as we normally do. Yep. And we read poetry yep. to each other and yep. um, gave right. each other a hug. He gave me his old pair of Crocs. Yep. And, um, yeah, and then we sort of went back to the library. I had to go study. It was about one in the morning, but I went to the to the library and did some more study. And Matt went home and did yoga. He got his, his yoga yeah. mat under his arm the whole night. That's right. it. The the Bikram Bikram yoga, I think, is all. What's the one where it's all the in, oh, inside oh, the sauna? Oh, That's it. Yeah, I've, I've heard you did go to sauna, but anyway, um, <laughs> the uh, but but no, I heard you did do a lot of policy work and a lot of grain advocacy, mainly supporting the uh, the barley industry through malt. Yes. malt, I believe. Yep. yep, there was a lot of that. There was a lot of that going on. Um, met a few of the colourful locals in Fitzroy. Um, they, they preferred just to. Um, neck double shots of vodka but that's another story again right oh now that we've now that we uh, colin did say it was a dream coming on here i think okay. it's slowly descended into a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> right oh the levy no no this 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 is going to budget tuesday night the budget came around yeah yeah mixed mixed was the description i think you said wasn't it mixed yeah, mixed. I think there'd been hopes, in particular, we'll focus on biosecurity, but there'd been hopes that we would be seeing uh, a, an increase in biosecurity funding. It's been talked about a lot. Biosecurity is a big which, subject. That's right? happened. That's happened. You've got extra money into it. That's right. The container levy issue hasn't been settled. So, <laughs> and as you know, there's been um, a proposal for a 10% increase on levies uh, with money redirected to the Federal Ag Department. And we're still working through the detail of that. But I think that, um, you know, the the two things, raising the levy by 10% uh, and linking that to the RDC system and also not finalising what the container levy is actually going to uh, look like and how much that's going to deliver to increase the shared responsibility, accountability and funding mechanisms, I think uh, left a fair few questions unanswered. So but we definitely welcome the minister's attempts to try and step in the right direction to deliver so, that. Can, can, I, can, can I ask you something, Cole? Uh, yeah. When did you find out about the levy? I, I the levy you're, you're very interested in this. See, the difference here is I, I, I guess I've worked in a, um, a deputy prime minister's office around budgets and um, there are, generally they'll start to fertilise the ground. Um, a few weeks leading out to budget night with some that's, announcements. That's, that's what usually happens. It's usually most of the, the most most of the budgets usually known before budget night. Yeah. Um, oh, look, I found out uh, when the budget was announced. I was um, updating or you know refreshing my screen on Farm Online at uh, seven thirty. So I know when the treasurer rises at seven thirty and delivers. I, I, the I like I like that Matt. Like yeah. a, an advertisement plug for his old employers. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and of course, Jamison Murphy led the way with the Farm Online story. Well done, Jamo. But um, I was quite surprised there was a 10% um, levy uh, put on the agricultural sector. Um, but uh, we've got to work through the details of that. So, and that's, that's, what, that's what I'm going to ask you next. So you didn't know that the 10% levy was there until the budget, until everyone else knew, basically. No. Do you know much more now? Have you had, have, have has Murray Watt been in, in touch or...? Uh, not Murray Watts, but uh, obviously spoken to his office and reached out to Andrew Metcalf at the department. And we're working through the details. We've got all the, I mean, the budget papers are out there now. Mm -hmm. They're, you know, it's um, obviously part of the process. They're kept in-house until 7.30, having been through a number of budget lockups when I was a journalist in the Canberra Press Gallery. And uh, so we're working through the details, but, you know, an announcement of a process as well that we'll go through with industry to work out how that 10% is going to be collected. I mean, it's problematic to link that to the RDC system. The legislation around the current levies uh, is essentially, the spirit of that is that it's a partnership with industry working with government. That's, and the, that's, the, that's the product, yeah? Yeah, and but also with Plant Health Australia. And so you're working in partnership, um, and that's the core business model of Plant Health Australia on biosecurity, and in particular grains, GPA, with the biggest member of PHA. So to the growers should have a say in what the levy rates are under the, the Peard Act, or they do. Um, for example, sheep and uh, dairy um, or wool and dairy, they have a vote on their levy, as you know. In grains, we don't, but as the representative organisation or one of two with Grain Growers Limited, uh, we're supposed to review and, and work on um, setting that so, levy so, rate. So, would, you so, say, so, would you say that, that is that a peculiar scenario that there wasn't any 
foreshadowing of this as a policy position with with the likes of yourselves at GPA or grain growers or both? Is that wouldn't you think they would have sussed that out before announcing it? Having read Andrew Whitelaw's Twitter feed, I think this is a, a clear attempt to try and create some controversy uh, by you two um, who are <laughs> seeking headlines to self-promote your podcast. I think if this was Bob Catter answering this question, uh, then you'd probably get a much harder, uh, sterner lesson. But I'm more relaxed about it because I understand the confidentiality that the Minister's got to work through and he could have a stakeholder list a mile long and I think Murray's been very pragmatic in the way he's gone about his job. <laughs> Biosecurity is a very difficult um, area, policy area, and I think he's done very well since coming into the job dealing with some pretty big issues that are complicated, uh, as well as emergency response. So uh, is his office going to ring everyone? Do I need him to walk into my house here in, you know, Caraba Point, sit down and say, hey, Cole, we're thinking of a levy? Um, do I need to speak to him at the right time and his staff? Yes, they've been very accessible in sharing information. We understand our responsibilities and what we've got to do now, and we've got the detail, and I think the process is clear. So sorry to uh, kill your controversial storyline. There's no controversy. <laughs> no con we're, we're, just, uh, just an interested question. Just yeah. an interested question. Like uh, I will predicate it on, is there something you know that I don't? I can't tell you now because you won't tell us what you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you tell no, just, us. Just, yeah. just between us. Just between us three. Just between us three. Now, they, they record us off. The recorder's never off, but we're, we run the risk of entering fake news territory here. Let's just say the budget's out now and uh, we've got some detail and we know where, what, what we've got to work with. What, what was controversial about my tweet? What, what tweet have I? Oh, how long are you? How long what you I got, did there? How long have you got, got Andrew? How long no, you got? I just was, well, look at my phone. I think last night you were just basically asking questions about who knew what when. No, I, I, no, no. All I said was I, I, I got a stern response from Sheep. Will. Will. Will produces Australia. Will, yeah. Yeah. Will. All, I, all I said was it shouldn't have been too much of a surprise because because Murray Watt had kind of hinted at it previously. Ah, that's right. Yeah, so I'm keen. What was it that you read that you said hinted at it? Well, he put out a statement, yes, about a week and a half ago yep. from an economics group who wrote a paper on biosecurity for them. Mm -hmm. which basically the tweet was such and such economics uh, recommends that farmers pay for a levy. Yeah. So that's, to me, that was, oh, it's coming. That was a, maybe I'm, maybe I read into it much, but I was right. Was well, that, is but, that, is that classified? What was the euphemism you used? Fertilising the ground? I was, is that classified as fertilising the ground? If you put out a tweet to that nature, it's open, open information then? Well, I know the report you're referring to. I don't have all of the details right in front of me, but um, the budget papers need to go to the printer at some stage, right? Hmm. So they get settled, uh, all those discussions through our ERC and Cabinet, et cetera, get settled a fair while back. So they will know what's in there and, you know, you'll start preparing your um, budget sales job um, yeah. a, a while before that. So he would have known that he could say, even in his speech at the budget breakfast, he said that the ABC declared agriculture winner in the budget so he knows what he, he's going to put his best foot forward and put the arguments out there that suit what is going to be a difficult policy issue he's not um, blind to that and he's been on the front foot with attacks on the national party in the senate and catherine king in the house of reps already it's it's getting politicized i don't want it to get too politicized because we think biosecurity should be beyond politics mm, mm. and the container levy is a, a clear challenge but you know he didn't come out and explicitly say that there's going to be a 10% levy on the industry. There was a mix of funding models, and there still is, and we think Grains is already paying our fair share um, so through different another, mechanisms. So, so, so I've got another question to ask you. On yep. You mentioned, well, I asked levy or a tax, yeah? Yep. So under the levy process, and I'm, I'm just a simpleton, yeah? I'm just a market analyst. I don't know about policy and laws and all that kind of stuff. I'm Scottish as well, so I don't really follow the law. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the... For it to be a levy, yeah? Yep. My understanding of a levy was that it was basically a partnership between government and industry. So whether yep. that's whether that's honey or whether it's grains. And basically the the peak industry bodies advise the minister on what the levy should be and how it should be spent and that kind of thing. So it should be some sort of oversight. So at the moment you couldn't you could in turn advise them to yes, we agree for biosecurity levy, but we want the levy at zero percent. Because you could 
in, in theory, because you advise a minister on what you think the levy should be. Well, as, as, as an industry, is that not in simple terms? That's kind of how it works. Well, you're you're exactly right, but there is already emergency plant pest and response deed, which can be set at zero and then raised for eradication. So we talk about biosecurity. GRDC invests thirty five million a year, or have over the last five years, in biosecurity through that partnership with growers and government, mm -hmm. and that does significant work. But we're talking about weeds as well, yeah. biosecurity in the paddock, early detection around farm. We work with Plant Health Australia in partnership, for example, and we've got the Grains Farm Biosecurity Officers, and they do a sensational job. Now, they're partnered with state governments, and that levy money that's raised for Plant Health Australia through the Grains Levy, um, that goes to doing that job to, to support, for example, farmers setting up biosecurity plans on farm, communications and awareness campaigns, but, and they're but, out but there. At, but at the moment, you guys... Yeah. have oversight of that because you have a position That's on right. Plant Health we, Australia. We have but, those complementary responsibilities under legislation for all you, growers uh, you, who pay these levies. But you don't have oversight over the biosecurity. The 10% levy? Well, the biosecurity in general at the airports, at the ports and stuff, yeah? No, which, no, no. Which, no. Which, which no. But, but under this levy, yep. that's starting to go towards that. Does that mean that you would have some form of oversight over how that 10% is left spent? They're questions that need to be answered through the process that the government set up, but that's a key concern of ours, that there's no oversight. It's money going straight to the department, and the department was given a one-off budget uh, allocation of $127 million, uh, which, because which, of its which is financial... Not far, which is not, not far off the tax that they're yeah. bringing in. From consolidated revenue. So, look, at the end of the day... Uh, we need to work through those details and work out what it means. But there is a zero set levy rate at the moment for eradication. So for every dollar spent in preventative biosecurity, it's worth 30 in eradication. Yep. So we want growers are saying we don't want these pests and diseases getting into the country. Yep. Capra Beetle will come in and do a $15.5 billion hit. You'll collect no levies if we get Capra Beetle, right? It'll have a huge impact. So we want more done with preventative. If you're going to collect more money off growers, let's call it a tax, and it's going to go to the department. We have no idea whether that's going to do that job that our growers want, which is a, a red-hot priority right now. Um, under the current system, it's collected and it goes to Plan Health Australia. You can go into emergency response um, um, activities uh, if the levy's raised, the emergency plant pest and response deed, uh, and obviously through GRDC, which you know how that works. But with the container levy, we the, the importers, the people creating the risk, do not have an emergency. Not pay anything. Do they pay anything? No. No. They're not contributing to the eradication. They may create the risk that causes mm. the consequence that growers live with, right? But if you get capra, it's going to be uh, jobs. You know, people who are um, driving the trucks. It's it's agribusiness. You know, it's across the board. So um, everybody's going to live with the outcomes there. You're going to get less tax revenue. But here's one for you guys to consider as well. Agriculture is a wealth generating industry. This key point seems to have been lost as well. So when you should not be taxing wealth generation industries as well. I was, I was going to actually say, so if this is specifically to Grange, yeah? You're right, it's a wealth generating industry. And it just reminded me of a point that somebody made just before I came on this call, actually, is let's say, for instance, this is not a levy because you don't have the oversight. Yeah. And they just introduced it as a 10% or 0.1% tax, effectively, or 0.12% tax. On grain, on cattle, yeah? Let's say we have cattle at $5 a head. Is the levy just now for cattle? Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, plus it's going to be 0.1% extra on top of that. Gain, gain, yeah. 10% yep. extra on top of that. Then yep. you've got grains, but grains is a the value. Yeah, I've As, got the numbers I, here in front of me. I've done some homework because I was so excited. I've been up since three in the morning actually preparing for this podcast. That's good because I only got, I only got to bed at three o'clock in the morning. So we were, Detroit? On, we're on separate shifts. <laughs> uh, but but what, I'm, what I'm saying is like when you when you get that, you, basically you've got a tax on production with grains of 0.1% uh, plus a levy of X amount, which we're all happy to pay the levy, I think, because we do have very good... RDCs, especially GRDC in, in Australia. That's the only one I can really talk to because that's the only yep. I really know. Yep. Um, but the mining industry was really opposed to similar sort of levies or taxes on their industry. 
Whereas, well, no, whereas are, you no bring, are you are you bringing up the mining tax in relation to this? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were about. I thought you were about to make a point on the on the cat the five dollar cattle one when you when you're going to the pathway of making some point around livestock as well. No, but but more more about it's it's, it's a set figure on livestock, but on yeah, grain, it, on, it's, it's, on, yeah. on on grains it's a percentage of revenue, isn't it? Look, I I heard some rumours around the budget that they were looking at introducing a ag podcast tax as well, and that got knocked on the head pretty quickly. Well, they, uh, they they were talking about a ninety five percent tax on our income from this uh, podcast. Well, then ninety five percent of zero. It's still, still zero, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, we're, but we're happy to give it all away. Yep, yep. Uh, do you so, want me to just give you a quick overview of the the numbers for grains specific, just so we got some facts? I know you're not that keen on facts, but no, this is this is a fact free zone, Colin. Uh, but we'll, we'll listen. We'll listen. Well, currently uh, the. Grains contributes 1.02% of grain sales to levies, and that's, as we know, GRDC, Plant Health Australia, and the NRS. So 10% would make it 1.122%. Uh, so it would be an 0.102% increase. Now, based on last year's uh, $28 billion value for the crop, mm -hmm. uh, the overall levies collected from 1.122% would be 314.16 million. So... Um, that represents a 31.42 million increase in, in levies. Now, the government's looking to raise 47.5 million to contribute to that sustainable funding model across all of agricultural producers. Now, grains will be paying two-thirds of that, and these are some of the key questions we want to get answered through that <coughs> process. Why are we paying this disproportionate amount, and is there oversight to ensure that things like capra beating, <coughs> we're going to prevent that from entering the country and hitchhiking in this tiny little pest that could cause a $15.5 billion hit to our economy, our communities, and to the agricultural production sector, that it's going to actually increase our ability to prevent that from coming into the country. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to pick some of those numbers. This is off the back of a cigarette packet numbers. You don't but, smoke them. Well, not now. Uh, maybe, yep. maybe it fits right three o'clock in the morning. A cigar, a cigar with Matt at the uh, what's that place called that you get the cigars? Supper Club. Supper Club. <laughs> a couple of cigars looking over the Parliament in Melbourne, but so they're basing this 153 million, I think it was, over three years. Yep. Is that right? But they're basing that on last year's production, yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which last year was like if we look at grains, yeah? if we look at the last year was 90 billion dollars of agricultural farm output, yeah. Yep. Uh, and obviously, Colin, I'm assuming you read the report I wrote yesterday on episode3.net. I read everything you write. So I don't need... I don't need so first I don't, thing I do when I wake up, when I look at my phone and go, what has... Um, so, so you know what I'm just about to say then, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so tell me. No, I don't actually. So <laughs> I, I generally check my Facebook page to see if any of my friends in the US have given me a shout-out. But right well, cricket, cricket scores mainly, you know. What's Hoggy up to, that sort of thing. Right. So I'll fill you in on it because I know you've you've been busy. It's been a He's been week. very busy. He's been so very busy crunching numbers to come on this podcast. So you'll be, you'll be due to catch up you know, maybe tonight, you know, 6 o'clock at night once you've, once you've shut off for the night. But if you look at the overall productivity here, yeah, we've had 90 billion last year, which is very close to the 100 billion ambitious target for 2030. But if you look at the actual increase in value to get to 90 billion, it's nearly all. In fact, I could probably safely say it's all come from cropping. Well, it's come from right. crop. It's come from cropping because a, it's been moist as hell, and Putin has given us some pretty high grain prices. So. Judging at 153 billion on a year where cropping is probably worth a quarter more than it should have been, based on averages, mm. Mm. you're going to struggle to get to 150 billion if if there's a drought in a, in or, a, yeah, or, in a different, or different circumstance over the next three years. Like that 153 might not be feasible if we return back to average or below average seasons. Well, that's why they need to move quicker to bring in the container levy, don't they? Make uh -huh. sure the sustainable funding model continues but look their forecasts it's a budget so their forecasts and as you know even with farmers on well, their own well, land well, we all knew what the crop was going to be at the end of the year and it was going to be 65 million tons like it has been the last 
couple of years, well, you'd have a, a supply chain uh, as well that's operating more efficiently. You'd capture more value here. You get more value for the price of your grain. So all these things that maybe growers wouldn't be so worried if we're getting an extra $50 a tonne for our grain, like we've been talking about through our uh, calls for a, an examination of competition in the market, well, maybe the little bit more on biosecurity wouldn't matter. Well, true, true. Good point, Colin. So let's go back to biosecurity just, and we'll, we'll probably end the biosecurity part of it now. because Well, still... you can go on about this all day. I mean, this but, is but, but, fun. but do you think... Like, obviously, in the next couple of weeks, you guys are going to yep. get approached, and then it's going to be outlined exactly how it occurs, how the oversight's going to occur. Yep. Uh, so, ask, can I ask you a question? It's a policy-based question. Hmm. You're a peak body for grains. Yep. GL is the other peak body. Yep. Is there any other industries that have two peak bodies? Uh, I think horticulture has multiple. Yeah, but that's that's for, that's for but that's across that's across different horticultural c- commodities, though, isn't it? Yeah, we represent twenty six levyable crops. So I mean, from a start, we've got wheat, canola, barley. You know, wheat grains, but <laughs> you could run that argument uh, across a number of different ag commodities and get into the you know different nuances sheep, here and there. Sheep and wool as well. Yeah, they're so, kind of the same animal, same beast. So I guess that's that's going to be a confusing thing. Is you know what happens with that oversight of it in in the coming year so you should expect to hear from that in the next couple of weeks how things will operate or what would you reckon the time frame would be that you would start finding out well i'm pretty confident murray watts very pragmatic the department are very pragmatic and they'll set up a process where um, they'll get everyone in the room that needs to be in the room to answer the questions they have and, and work through the details but one of the keys here is that uh, the, the RDC system was set up whereby growers set up a levy um, and they have a say in the amount of that levy. And so that's going to be a very, very, very difficult piece of policy to overcome with what's been announced. So otherwise, they have to set up collection mechanisms, and that's not simple either. They take time to bed down. They cost a lot of money. To I, was going to ask, I was going to say that's probably going to cost you a third of the $150 million. Well, I don't think you can collect it through the RDC system at the moment legally, and I'm sure they're aware of that. Um, they've got people who understand how this works, but as long as it stays pragmatic and um, we, you know, we're consulted along the way. And do you think? So I guess the the real crux. I like I look on Twitter and I look in the newspapers and whatnot, and there's a lot of people saying they don't want to pay at all. Is that a position that? Anyone, any of the any of the RD, any of the peak bodies are considering is protesting against it, or is it sort of set? We're happy to pay the extra ten percent. Oh, we're all working through the detail, but I think what we would start with is, um, can you get more out of the existing levies that are already paid, which for grains is is a lot of money. So, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Mean- We've been working on a grains biosecurity plan with Plant Health Australia and all of the key stakeholders. And that actually identifies the value proposition there and what the gaps are in the system and the projects uh, and um, initiatives that need to be put together to do the job properly. So if you're just going to raise money to put into the department, that's not the same thing as saying, here are the problems like Capra Beetle that we want to solve um, to increase preventative biosecurity. Um, And GRDC and others are involved in those discussions with expertise and experience and knowledge. So the more we work in partnership, I think everyone's trying to solve the same problem here. So just what's the amount of funding that you need to do the job for the grains industry to make sure we don't get capra beetle? So you know what we need to be doing? Here's a solution, right? And this is a cheap solution. Yeah. You know that TV show Border Force? Uh, <laughs> I watch it every now and then when I'm flicking through the channels. Uh, the give, a, give an example. Like my mother is obviously interested in me because I'm in Australia, and she's interested in Australia, so she watches all these Australian TV shows. She watches Border Force, RBT, uh, Opal Hunters. Avid listener of the podcast. Right, Matt, Matt, your your internet connection's gone. Right, Matt, just be quiet for a minute until the internet's back. I have enough trouble understanding your accent without him doing that. Jeez, oh, Matt, I don't know what he's done. <laughs> he's, just, he's gone. No, gone it's still, not. 
Yeah, it's back now. Nah, Matt, your internet's buggered. It's been a tough take, tough week for connectivity. It's interesting how the Telstra outage came on budget, Eve. And what we've got to do is get that Border Force program mm. and just make sure that we get it syndicated all around the world. And then everybody that comes to Australia will be shitting themselves when they come off the plane, that they're going to get caught and they won't bring anything in. Sorry. Yep. There you go. Uh, so there's a solutions. This is a solutions based podcast. Yeah, always has been. Have you got a solution for Matt's internet coverage? Uh, I've got no idea. I reckon we just sack him. Just sack, I think we sack him and replace with you. You've already got a black polo shirt on, so that's the GPA shirt too. See, there we go. Fashionable, fashionable, fashionable in black. So GPA, yeah. Yep. It looks like he's coming back on now. He's upside down. Don't know what happened there. Just your internet's terrible. That's what happened, Colin. There's nothing in the budget for black spots. Nothing? On, or not enough, obviously. Yeah. They haven't, they haven't fixed it yet. Look at Matt. Yeah. It's a tough issue, that one, as well. So tell, tell us, Colin, you, you've been in GPA for two years now? Yep, just a week over two years, actually. Oh, well, there we go. Happy birthday. Thanks. And tell us, tell us what – there's a bit of confusion, yeah? What is GPA? Grain Producers Australia. We're a, a national representative group for Australian grain producers. As we've articulated already, we've got all of those responsibilities for levy paying growers under legislation. Mm -hmm. So whether you're a member or not, we perform those responsibilities uh, for everyone who pays a levy. Mm -hmm. um, and we were set up um, to replace the Grains Council of Australia, which folded in about 2008, yep. uh, around the time that the uh, bulk wheat export market was deregulated. And so a process was set up whereby um, grains industry leaders from across the country came together and GPA was the model that was agreed to. And so we set off on that mission. And if you look at what's gone on with Cattle Australia, they've looked at the GPA constitution, for example. We have uh, direct members and we have state members. And um, they've sort of, we've learned the lessons from the past in implementing this governance model. And we on our policy council, we have the state grains commodity councils. So as you know, New South Wales farmers, Ag Force Queensland, and uh, um, you know Victorian Farmers Federation, WA Farmers, and Grain Producers South Australia, of course, Tasmanian farmers and graziers are, are members as well, and the WA Grains Group. So when our policy council comes together, um, we sit around and we, we like with any organisation, as a there's a federated structure. And we discuss the the issues that we need to, and come up with policy and work out a way forward. And the difference is our, I guess, our states are prosecuting issues at state level. As you know, you were a, a life member of WA Farmers for your two year stint mm -hmm. on the Young Farmers Committee. So oh, I got rem remembered that one. <laughs> you're, you're advocating issues in your backyard. You've got networks of grassroots branches, you know, like the Lake Grace Corrigan Zone, and they have robust policy debates. They come to Grains Policy Council and they come up with their position and they will try and solve that with their state government. They'll put pressure on there and then something that needs to be solved with federal legislation or goes to our legislative responsibilities, then that's taken to GPA and we take care of that part of the job. And we obviously, um, at GPA, we're also a not-for-profit as well. So we have a number of other projects as a membership group to help raise funds but as a not-for-profit, it's also about profit for purpose. So money that we get through other sources goes back into that job of better policy and advocacy. And as you've seen with our sponsorship with New Farm and our project with uh, uh, Lifeline and Rural Aid, where we're, Brad Hogg's our national ambassador, we're putting funding into a mental health initiative, for example. Now, I just, I just want to, I just want to say, Colin, Matt, just so you know, yes. Brad Hogg is a cricket player. <laughs> yeah, I, we we at the WA Farmers Conference. Brad Hogg was the keynote, so I don't know who yeah. Brad Hogg is. Yep, because because so, Matt, Matt knows even less about cricket, and Matt's been to less cricket games than I've been to. Yeah, I've, I don't think I've been to a cricket game, Andrew. I've been to four or five. Can I say something really random? I played cricket in Scotland in Perth, actually, against the Scottish eleven back uh, many years oh, ago. I didn't know there was a Scottish team in cricket. I don't think it's a sport mm. in Scotland, is it? It, it, it is a sport yeah. for English people who have moved up. They play in the World and, Cup. And, and Australians, I think, who, who've, who are coming for backpacking. 
or, or to play cricket. Yeah, um, it was quite an experience with Australia, New Zealand 11 playing against the Scottish 11, actually. So, and who, won, and who won? I'm not sure I can remember, actually. I think the Australian New Zealand 11 did, they were mainly professionals. I was up there visiting a friend who was playing. Was, was, the, was, the, was the Scottish 11 a mixed team, Colin? I wouldn't have thought there would be four. How many did you have in a cricket team? Is there? It's very strong. Yeah. They play in the World Cup. We actually had a very good mm-hmm. player at my club in Perth, Scarborough. Believe it or not, his name was Jock Phillip. And he played for Scotland in the World Cup. He was a very, very good cricketer. And he'd come to Australia and play six months of cricket, as a lot of people did, and then uh, during our summer, and then go back to England, play six months there in the summer. And we did a lot of our players did the same. Fantastic cultural exchange. I always wonder, yeah, Matt, if like I played ice hockey and I played soccer when I was a kid at school, yeah. If I'd played cricket, mm. I, think, I think I probably would have ended up in the Scottish team. <laughs> Because there wouldn't have been that much competition. Anyway, that's why I was, that's why I, I was asking if it was, if it was a mixed team. I wouldn't have thought there'd be enough men okay. in Scotland to play uh, cricket. Very, pretty good standard. Yeah, no, there's some very good cricketers come out of Scotland. I can't remember any of them at the moment apart from Jock. <laughs> so good that, you, that a massive cricket fan doesn't even know the name of more than one. So all, all I know is there were two teams playing cricket that day, but there was only one paying for the beers at the bar afterwards. So <laughs> I've, I've lost my train of thought, which... Uh, so I, I yeah, you're talking about how amazing yeah, yeah. is and our mental health and yeah. no i was actually gonna, i was going to ask you like how do you balance you mentioned because i actually forgot and it, it's 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 a thing that we always do forget isn't yep. it in agriculture tasmania right well, that's right you've got uh, you've got tasmanian grain what's it called tgfa on your tasmanian farmers and grazers tfga yep and so you've got tfga and they're representing on your board 60,000 tons, maybe 70,000 tons production. That's right. And then you've got WA, you've got <laughs> slightly more than <laughs> you've got, you've got, you've got some growers probably on your board that produce 60,000 between two of them. Uh, so, so how do you get it when they've got an issue and, you know, obviously you've got like, you're battling against the big boys in the West and guys in Tasmania. It's probably not so much a big issue because they've probably got the same issues, really, haven't they? Look, we generally don't vote. You work on a, a principle consensus. of decision-making by consensus. <clears throat> um, so, But everyone's got their own unique issues. The thing about the federated structure and a national policy group is that um, they've got their membership, they've got, they come to policy council with positions that they've worked out through their own membership as well. Uh, and generally, you know, if you haven't got enough information there on the day uh, to make a decision, you know, you you would just um, uh, go back and, and and renegotiate. So that's generally how it works. So next question. Uh, so we are jumping back and forth a little bit here. Uh, Brad Hogg, you've got him doing the mental health stuff, going around doing talks. And I've been to his, I actually went, to, I reckon I went to one of his first talks when he started doing them. Yeah, he did one for Rural Co. And I was yeah. presenter for Rural Co. This was probably 2017, I think. And yeah. it, was really, it was really good. And like, I'm not a cricket fan, uh, but he was quite entertaining. But had a good, at the same time, had a good message to to tell people. Yeah. And uh, and funnily enough, actually, speaking of which, I'm actually wearing a pair of six B's. Uh, no, six six B's footy shorts because uh, I was due to go to the gym. And uh, he went recently to one of their events. Is that right? That's right. Now, can I also say, I was, um, meant to go to the gym this morning, but I um, unfortunately, I got sidetracked. And that makes it 30-odd uh, years in a row that I've missed the gym. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, Matt's, Matt's very similar. So, I, I generally go to Jim's, Jim's Tavern. So that's the gym I attend. Well, I've, got, I've actually got a uh, moonlight because speed analysis doesn't pay much, so I've got to go to Jim's mowing. So I've got to go next door and uh, do their gardening. Uh, but so, so what was it? What was why? Why are you getting involved in that? Or well, our chair be- Barry Large, who farms in um, uh, Mora in yeah. the, the Northern Wheat Belt and WA, <clears throat> shortly after I started this role, he essentially rang me, and, he's, and there'd been a couple of bad suicides in that part of the um, the WA Wheat Belt. And as you know, these communities are pretty close. And that's actually where Brad Milstead farms up that yep, way through, right, yeah. Wotheroo. And he said, mate, we've got to do something about this. And I said, that's fantastic. Just what I need, another job. <laughs> um, but I suppose the stars have aligned in a way 
um, the new farm had also essentially wanted to form a partnership with GPA, and that was in recognition of Andrew Wiedemann's long-term contribution as a volunteer board member mm-hmm. and uh, and representative for, for growers. And so I really just joined the dots and said, well, why don't we put this into a mental health initiative? Uh, the other thing that happened, of course, I've worked in cricket for a long time, and I know Hoggy from my time in WA, well, being from Western Australia, and he, we'd also caught up and he said, I want to do something for the farmers. And so I really just connected the dots and we didn't know how it would go. New Farm loved the idea. And I just think it's, you know, it's important to give back. We also are sharing this with our state members as an opportunity when Brad goes out to the field day, for example, last year in the Air Peninsula field days. And, you know, the GP, the South Australians really embraced this um concept and Hoggy's a great um he's just great at engaging with people uh one-on-one on a level I mean he really believes in this stuff so he doesn't just do a talk he gets down he meets people he talks to you know in terms of because yeah, like I, I did notice that after the presentation at the Wolf conference yeah. he was off talking to a whole bunch of people and I guess yeah. unlike Matt mm. like real Australians would know who he was like <laughs> Is that right? Mm-hmm. Like he's like an he's like an Ali McCoist, yeah. Who? Exactly. <laughs> but everybody, but everybody in the UK would know who Ali McCoist is. Like he he'd walk in a room and one hundred percent people would know who he was. But most Australians would know who Brad Hogg was. Yeah, and he, it's having a real impact. His personal message, I think, also in his country background means he knows how to talk to people and and so we're raising profile and awareness about that as well and. Um, with some of the um, funds that are left over, we've also announced uh, a leadership scholarship this week as well. So I think we're giving back into, uh, you know, not just to, to our members who've been uh, a key part of GPA as well with the state groups, um, but just all growers in general and across the sector. And then I did ring Brad Milstead because I know him from my life in cricket when I worked at the WACA in country cricket. And I knew what he was doing in 6Bs or I had a little idea that he was doing something in that regard and I'd seen on Twitter, I actually sounded him out for a bit of advice. And and his message was that, you know, if every, everybody's doing something, it all helps. Mm. So, and was thought, well, if, let's do our bit. And Barry's been extremely happy. Uh, GPA, we're very proud of what we're doing here. And Hoggy's a great ambassador. And um, we want to grow the program as we go forward and, and um, see where it goes. This year, the message, the key message is about farmers taking a break and the imports are taking a holiday because there's been some really big years uh, in particular in the grains industry, as you said, record mm. harvests and that's coming on the back of COVID floods. And, and, no, and, and no staff. What's the, uh, yeah. um, you, you mentioned the, the, scholarship, the, the, scholarship, the scholarship. Yeah, what's the detail? What's the detail around it? You mentioned there's a now scholarship you've just announced, a leadership yeah. scholarship. So you want to give us a bit more flavour on what, what that's all about? Yeah, it, look, it's a modest program in the sense that we're looking to fund two scholars with a $15,000 bursary and that'll be in-kind travel, you know, and some cash as well, but we really want um, growers or people in the in the industry uh, to, you know, raise a problem. It's a paddock to parliament um, grains focused advocacy leadership scholarship and say, look, this is the problem. Now, I've, I've got a problem. My name's Andrew Whitelaw. I, I wear six B shorts and I've missed the gym again. How do I get the Minister for Agriculture to solve this problem? So really the thinking we want is what would you do if you sat down with the, the Minister for Agriculture to solve your problem. And then we'll have mentors. Uh, we've got um, Justin six, Langer, for six, example, going to be one of six, our mentors. Six, Colin, Colin, I don't yeah. want to I don't want to tell you how to do your job, yeah? Go ahead. I don't mind. Everyone else does. But <laughs> if, if somebody's got a job, uh, an issue going to the gym, that's probably like, it'd probably be the Minister of Sports, not yeah. the Minister of Ag- Agriculture who'd be sorting out for you. Yeah. That's true. So, so I think I'm already one step ahead. Maybe I should apply for it. It could be linked to their diet, though, lack of nutrition. If they're eating healthy grains, you know, I, I do healthy eat fruit and vegetables, they I, wouldn't I, need I, to go I, to as, as you're aware, Colin, Matt and I eat a lot of grains. We've got a mm. more whole grain diet than most people because true. haggis and black pudding is full of oats and whiskey and beer is full of barley. So uh. it's practically a 100% whole grain diet. You weren't offended by my black pudding comment, were you? Well, no, it's, it's, it's not me that should be oh, offended. Sorry. It's not me that should be, I'm not offended and I'm not angry. Yeah. At least, I'm at, just, least we got, at least we I, got a comment on the black pudding. At least we got a comment. <laughs> I'm just very disappointed. Uh, what's the deal with Crocs? Why do you hate Crocs? I love Crocs. 
Uh, the question to Bob Catter was fantastic. Crocs, in which way was he going to go? I'm like, that's brilliant. Crocodiles? Jeez, <laughs> come your crocodiles, North Queensland, Claude Curry. Well, that was uh, brilliant. No, I find Crocs, I've got, I've probably got another over there. I've got a <laughs> set of fur-lined Crocs that I wear, and they yeah. are ultra comfortable. Did he know what you were talking about? Uh, no, he went straight, he went straight to the... The menace crocodile they get in the northern parts of Australia, not the footwear, but that's all. We got we set him straight, and then he then he gave us a rundown of um, his time wearing sandals to school and socks in the. Um... Oh, that was brilliant! Yes, that, and, uh, that's how he learned to fight. I was like, <laughs> so, Classic, Bob. Classic. so 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 the scholarship, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, the idea behind that is to get really to I guess get some some two people exposure to how policy works. That's right, how the sausage is made, but from paddock to parliament. And obviously, you know, we're encouraging diversity as well. So diversity of thinking and problem solving. But that's essentially what we do. What about, we... what about here, I've got an idea for you. I'm full of yeah. ideas for you, Colin. You should, you should, you should, bring, you should set up a, you've got a policy council, yeah? Do. What you should do is you should set up an idea a think tank, a think, a think tank, a think tank, council. <laughs> an ideas council. Just, just have the, the three of us just go into the pub and we'll ruminate and we'll just have a whiteboard and we'll just come up with ideas. But here's my idea. You said you want diversity, yeah? Yeah. What, what about an analyst who understands the complexities of markets who's also a first-generation immigrant? That would, be, that would be you. I'm just saying I'd be an easy easy plug-in to, to tick all your – and I've got a – I think I've got a broken toe just now as well. So I could come under the, the – I'm not. Well, they stop where we're going. <laughs> the, the, the world's turned. The world's run by those who turn up. So essentially, our policy council on GPA is a, a democratic uh, you know, process. Actually, so I've, I've turn up. To, I've been to your policy council, Henry. Haven't I? That, that, was, that was a policy council last June in Melbourne. Yeah, the one first one after COVID. It was a great uh, gathering. That's, I was there to inform everyone about the markets, what was happening. So. Yeah. Colin, yeah, one of the things that I do find interesting about GPA, because I've, I've known you since the Farm mm. Online times or whatever, mm. they, whatever it was called back then. Uh, and then you, Michael McCormick. Yep. Went to Michael. The legend. And then, uh, then obviously your GPA. What I've been really interested in is that, that you guys don't have a huge budget, let's be honest. But you always seem to be doing stuff. Mm. Like, it's where do you get... Guy. Like you seem to be doing it with relatively meager resources, but you seem to get a heck of a lot done. Like yeah, if you look at press releases, I reckon you must have done more press releases than the rest of the industry. And I'm talking about the cattle, sheep, and everything else combined. Yeah, we're doing too many. Do you think? No. Nah, well, you get your name well, out there, and there's no such thing as bad press, is there? As a, as a journalist, you know that. Yeah. Look, I, I suppose my time as a journo, I've always been really interested. My first day as a rural journo. It was uh, I think it was the um, 8th of April 2006, there was a meeting in Cundedon called the Save the Single Desk Rally. Oh, now, yeah. I'd been working in cricket. I'd been a cricket editor of a national cricket newspaper and went back to the Wacker for a while and then got a job at the Farm Weekly. I'd been doing some freelance sport writing for them and there was 550, you might have been there, 550 people there, 50 of them were politicians, and including the then... Deputy Prime Minister Mark Vale talking about this wheat single desk, and I was like, and then you had farm groups, and there was it was just this incredible um, gathering of people trying to save this legislated monopoly. So I guess from that point of view, I've always been interested as a journo how agri politics works, what is it, and how do you represent? You know, as a journalist, you're sitting there writing a story. How do you represent that to government? Going to Canberra. I was a grains writer at the Farm Weekly, but going to Canberra, I then covered all commodities. Mm -hmm. So I've seen multiple groups front up to Canberra, you know, and was there when the, the live cattle ban happened and which really is the, you know, the 9-11 um, of Australian agriculture in terms of advocacy and, and government decision-making around policy, and in particular with the animal rights activists who I know Matt Dagleish is now extremely good friends with. <laughs> um, and so you sort I've of been, I've been blocked. Well. I've been blocked by most of them now, Colin. I think so. Yeah. Well, that's because <laughs> you forget that they tend to block people that give yeah. logical point, point, yeah, or, or that call them trolls. <laughs> <Yeah>. But 
to, to answer your your question, I guess um, JPA has a very um, a different structure, I guess. But our board, uh, in particular, they're quite um, passionate. Passionate. Yeah, I guess they fueled by passion mostly. Is that you know? Yeah. And you know, people like Andrew Wiedemann. It's not me in particular, mm. but we've got a team. Um, people who the states are, are doing their job as well with their advocacy and their grains councils, you know, Victoria and South Australia, New South Wales and Queensland. So, um, you know, and I think, we, for example, what we're doing on the mouse bait, the ZP50, an industry permit, you know, we're helping someone says, I've got a problem in the paddock. We we connect the dots and find a solution. We, there's not really much inefficiency about it. And if we can, we will. But as I say, GPA is a is a democratic vehicle, and it, we would mobilise our members and say, uh, "Is there a problem here that you need to solve? We won't overcomplicate it." And it, having experienced advocates like Barry Large, our chair, and Andrew Wiedemann, and Andrew Earl, who's our, our vice chair of farms in Mungandai, and Mark Schilling in South Australia, uh, and others, um, you know, and Matthew Madden in, in New South Wales, these people that are very focused on their business. And so they keep it simple and pragmatic in terms of taking it from the paddock to, to Parliament. And we don't need to be around Parliament House. I know you love walking around Parliament House showing off. No, you, you, not, I like you, to be you, there, you've come, as you, you know, you've, when you've not, you've not a job me, needs to be done. You've not invited me there for ages. You know, I get, I get no invitations these days. That's the main reason he moved to Canberra for his invitations to these events and he doesn't get them. Persona non grata. Yeah. It's a fascinating building. But my time in Canberra, I guess I know how to be efficient with the advocacy. You don't want to just be walking in and having meetings for the sake of it. But that event we did last year with the that was good um, fun. Grains Industry Showcase, which Nola Marino and mm. Meryl Swanson put on um, with the Parliamentary Friends of Primary Producers, that's the sort of thing I'd like to see more of where the industry is really saying, you know, we had Robert Spurway there from Grain Court. We had Pat O'Shaughnessy, Grain Trade Australia. We had Grain Growers. Tracy Lafroy was fantastic. Talking about just how fantastic the grains industry is, and um, and also getting that message out there to, to the politicians that we're a, a big contributor to the ag economy. Because Matt and I, we, we're planning on doing a similar sort of thing and a similar event. Uh, parliamentary friends of podcasters. That's not as silly as it sounds, actually. Where we're gonna we get an event together just just to just to sort of let people know and appreciate all the work that we do for as podcasters for new media. Um, if you were to come, I'm going to ask you about the question. I'm going to flip it around here. If you had a paddock to parliament policy issue that you wanted to put in, in a submission for the I'm leadership. Not, I'm, not going to tell, I'm not going to tell you. What would it be? I'm not going to tell you. Okay. That, then, then I'm going to, you know, there's 3000 people listen to this podcast per week. Yeah. So yeah. if I put, if I tell you what my thing would be, yeah, I have all these applicants from people stealing my idea. And then, so when I put an application forward, I'm competing with everyone else. All right, I'll ask another question. If you had ten minutes to sit down with the Prime Minister of Australia, Mr. Anthony Albanese, the, uh, what would you ask for on behalf of the Australian grain sector? Uh, more, more, more support of um, black pudding and haggis. Correct. Oats. Uh, second, more oats. More, more oats. oats. More oats. Yeah, more, more planting of oats. That, that's yeah. No, I think. I think. Uh, there's, there's two things I think are probably important uh, for Australian agriculture. One we've discussed at length, Colin, is mm -hmm. uh, changes to fertilizers and supply chain. So I think uh, more transparency of fertilizer prices so they're in line with the rest of the agricultural industry, like grains or sheep or cattle. Secondly, I think education mm. on, on markets and finance. Mm is important for for growers because if you go to a you know ag, even if you do an ag science degree you'll you'll get deadly squat information on markets in your three or four year degree and thirdly i think it would be good to see it. there was some work by barnaby on co-ops in his town mm. as, as the yeah in the 2015 um ag white paper yep i would like to see more like maybe I like might not have discussed it. I'm becoming more socialist as I get older, and I'm going back to my back to my he's, de he's definitely he's definitely becoming more socialist as he gets older. Only with other people's money, though, not mine's. Uh, <laughs> so I'm one of those ones. Uh, but I think it would be good to see like more support for setting up smaller scale co-ops. So yeah. let, let's say, for instance, uh, you're in. 
Tasmania, and now you've got to use this EID tags for sheep. Mm. It would be potential that you could set up a co-op with the rest of the other sheep producers in your area, and then go out and tender for those those tags and get them cheaper, or fencing supplies, or I don't know, bearing oil for headers, whatever it may be. But many co-ops, uh, the the potential for them, I reckon, is pretty high, and especially as um, well, I'm giving it all away. Somebody's going to steal mm. this. <laughs> See what I did. See, anyway, there's there's anyone who you gets... need government support to set up a co-op. I mean, if you had a, a common yeah. purpose, which is what a co-op is, oh, you can to see, market you can... an agricultural commodity better, and regional branding is a big thing as or, well. Or or, or, or or even buying something. Yeah, and so so if I see supply chains, could you know? see, yeah, supply chains. But if I see any of your scholars next year, if I don't get one, and they're using any of those three plans. I'm going to sue them. <laughs> Only kidding, because Matt and I are here to provide information to the industry. You know, pro bono. That's why, because right. Colin, you mentioned you're a not-for-profit. Mm, so right. Profit so for we. purpose. Profit for purpose. Not for profit. Profit for purpose. Well, we're, we're not-for-profit, just not by choice. Mm. So, so Colin, we've probably kept you on. I reckon we've been on for an hour, just slightly mm. less than an hour. We'll probably... Yep. We'll call it day there. No, oh, thanks for uh, having me on. But let, let yeah. us know what happens with the bar security. And it would be good, good to actually get Brad on. I'd love it if you spoke to Hoggy. That would be fantastic. Do we have to talk about cricket stuff or can we talk about I'm gonna, know, mental I'm gonna, health I'm instead? Gonna, I'm going to talk about cricket the whole time, Matt, because I've been to <laughs> I've been to five cricket. Six, a six, a six. What's a six, Matt? That's when you hit it over the boundary. I know that. Yeah, I know that as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have a whole a wicket. That's the, that's the things you're trying to Well, hit, I'm going to put it out there. The, I think you should get to one of our field days and do a live sit down in one of the tents, like at Agquip or, um, yeah. yeah, out at Moorfield um, Days in Victoria. I was, worried, I was worried you were going to say then, Colin, get to one of the field days and participate in the do, game. Do, of do, do, you, do you know the only – actually, here's a story. Yeah, before, before we go, yeah, mm-hmm. Here, here's a story. My first experience and last experience playing cricket. I went to uh, the Air Peninsula, and it was Craig Povey. He worked at AWB, and I was staying at his house, and he said, oh, I'm going along. do you want to come along to cricket practice with me? And he was just going to meet his mates and have a beer or whatever. And they said, do you want to, uh, what have you got, bowl, throw the ball, whatever it is you do. And so I did it. I did it. And it was the worst bowl ever, because I didn't even know how to bowl a ball. I'd never done it in my life. I'd seen, I played rounders and a bit of softball or whatever, like at high school. And this thing, he got a six straight away off the back of it. And then he's like, now you've got to go and run for it. I was like, fuck that. (laughs) (laughs) That that was the last time I played cricket. I went and grabbed the beer and said, this is not my game. Well, if you want to do the podcast live with Brad, you'll also be at the Australian Grains Industry Conference as well. They're putting him on there at the end of July in Melbourne. So is he doing, is he doing the VFF one? Not sure yet. That's uh, the MCG 24th and 25th of July, but that clashes with our policy council meeting. So, ah. and AGM. Just getting in a plug there for the main GPA dates. This is like we, we don't, Colin, you're very lucky because we normally, as, <laughs> as you know, we don't edit this podcast. No. We don't normally get somebody who's as good at throwing in. A no, he's a very, very, very skilled, very skilled operator. We can take uh, some notes, Andrew. Th- th- this podcast is brought to you by... GPA. Uh, I just want to talk about my board more, in fact, and uh, how, how good they are representing their peers and doing an amazing job. Nobody, do, you know, do, you know, do you know what? Nobody ever talks about what? how good we are. That's a given. I think, That's I think, a given. I think we do it. We do enough. For... <laughs> so, anyway, Colin, I reckon Thanks. it's it's getting late on on Friday afternoon. I know you've had a busy week, and mm. you you've got a couple of reports on episode3.net to to read. See, there's a plug. Mm-hmm. That's how you do a plug. Um, and so, well, I'll leave you to research them, and uh, I'll probably send you some questions over the weekend to make sure that you've actually read them. Brilliant. And uh, yeah, we'll go from there, and, and we'll uh, we'll get you on a podcast when big events occur in the greens policy space. Thanks. All right, or, great or, 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 or on the cricket field. On the cricket Pitch, field. Pitch field. 
pitch field, whatever it is. Was it? On that, on that, where that <laughs> oh, place where they... It's an oval, isn't it? Is it? Is it an oval? Not or is, sure. it only, is it only an oval when you're playing footy on it? I don't know. Not sure. Not sure. Anyway, thanks, yeah, Colin. Yeah. See, see you when you've got nothing on. Really? That's... <laughs> okay. Did you know you're into that sort of thing, but okay.